Hey everybody, welcome back to Bucketheads, episode 47 of Land Grant Holy Land's College Basketball Podcast. My name is Connor Lamonds, and I'm here with my co-host Justin Golba. And this week, Justin, we have Ohio State Basketball Media Day, which means we are five weeks away from basketball starting. Boots on the ground, as we like to say. We did have boots on the ground. They were my size 10 boots were on the ground at the Schottenstein Center today. It was uh, it was an interesting. I don't want to use interesting. You use interesting way too much. Um, yeah, it's my word. It was a good time. You got basically two players sat per table, and they literally just. It felt like if anybody has ever been to one of those like super awkward career fairs in college, um, where you walk around and you wander and talk to all the different booths that are hiring interns that summer. It literally was like two players to a table, and we just wandered around and asked them questions about whatever we wanted, and then Chris Holtman spoke towards the end and what kind of stunk was that they put the two walk-ons um owen spencer and colby bauman i believe are their names um at a table together which kind of sucked because at because at no point was there ever more than like one person at their table that was interested in talking to them i went to a I, I'm, I'm gonna get on that in a second i just i went to a college fair one time in, co- in high school i was like it was like my freshman year and uh i thought i was in line to talk to the people from Notre Dame, but I was in line to talk, and this makes sense because I'm from Maryland, but I was in line to talk to the people from Notre Dame of Maryland, which is an all-women's school. And I stood, in line, I stood in line for a solid five minutes before I kind of gauged the area, and I was like, I'm definitely in the wrong place. And I was like, why don't I have women's sports? I was really confused. Or, uh, but I, I guess or, you were in, or you were in the right place. Or, or I was in the right place. That's a good point. Um, but I, I got some weird looks for sure. And then I, thankfully, I did not make it all the way up to the table. Uh, they were very popular, so I was just in line. But uh, yeah, it feels like uh, maybe they could have spaced out the, the those players a little better. But you know, nevertheless, may the odds be ever in your favor at Notre Dame. Um, I also don't know why I couldn't get into Notre Dame. So I don't know why I was even waiting in that line. So it was just a nightmare. Right. That's like me acting like I was going to apply to Stanford out of high school. And then I realized that <laughs> you have to pay an application fee just to get rejected by Stanford. So I was like, never mind. Um, but yeah, so media day was, it was, it was a good time. Um, I wish I would have been a little more prepared. Um, I'll be, I'll totally admit I was not completely prepared for media day. Um, Cause I've had a lot of stuff going on with my other job. So I did not have questions prepared for like every single player on the roster. And therefore, I didn't approach every single player because I didn't want to walk up to a player like um, Sean McNeil or Isaac Likely and like just not have good questions ready. So I basically spent my time with three of the freshmen, which is Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale and Bryce Sensabaugh. And then I popped over and talked to Justice Suing towards the end before, um, before Holtman spoke for about half an hour. Um. I can tell you for a fact that Bruce Thornton does look every single bit of 215 pounds. That man is a rock. Um, Roddy Gale said he's like fully healthy. I know he had like a groin surgery or something earlier in the season in the summer, but he's, he's good to go. Um, trying to remember what I, with Bryce Sensabaugh. Um, I tried to get Bryce Sensabaugh to tell me um, with the games in the Bahamas, I tried to get him to like, 
categorize the difficulty of the Bahamas games? Like, how hard, like, be straight, how difficult were those games? Like, was it high school level to play, like, the Egyptian national team? Was it, like, comparable to, like, AAU? Was it, like, a little bit tougher than AAU? And he kind of danced around it because I don't think he wanted to, like, I don't think he wanted to, like, crap on those guys or be like, yeah, for real, it really was not that tough. <laughs> yeah, I I remember when like all this stuff was coming out about those games, you know, because obviously, uh, good friend of the pod, Adam Jardy, was there, so he was like reporting on the scores and stuff. And um, I remember thinking like I I have nothing to take away from this because I I couldn't even ponder a guess how good those national teams are. Yeah, like, I mean it's national teams, so that's cool. But like I have no idea what basketball is like in Egypt. I don't know what basketball is like in Montana. You know, so I it's like I don't know. So um, that that was kind of also I, I, he probably definitely shouldn't like crap on them because they didn't beat them that bad. You know, so um, weren't they down by like weren't they down late in one of the games? <laughs> so I, think I don't, they I don't won know. Both. I think they won. They won both. both. They won both by, by like by single lot. digits. I think. Oh yeah, single digits. I thought you were gonna say significantly. Yeah, single digits. So you definitely probably don't want to say anything bad because it probably doesn't look too great for you if, oh. if you only beat them by a little bit. So. Also, well, his brand, answer, brand new team as well. So that his answer content. was his answer kind of actually shed some light on I think why those games were closer because what I asked was like, well, they were playing was, with lineups and stuff too. Right, right, right. Exactly. I said like, what was the like? How can you compare like the game speed, the up and down to like AAU, um, the talent on the other side? And he kind of like danced around like saying if like they were way more talented than AAU or like not much talented. He kind of said coach wanted to. Um, he said coach wanted to like work on specific sets, work on specific lineups and try to like basically work on specific plays and kind of like strategies they're going to use in the season. So it sounds like the result of win or loss at those games in the Bahamas really was not what they were worried about. It's like kind of like you just said, we want like we want to get a lineup on the floor, for example, that has Bruce and Isaac likely and Bryce Sensabaugh and at the same time. Like, we want to see what that looks like. And if they struggle, like, that's why we're doing it here, to see what it looks like. So that's kind of what Bryce's answer was, was, you know, Coach wanted to work on some specific sets and some specific lineups um, to see kind of what some stuff looked like. So it's really, he said it was kind of, it's hard for him to answer and say, like, how much better we were than them when we weren't necessarily, like, maximizing our best lineup for the entire game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the Bahamas is nice and all, but you're going there to do exactly that. You know, that's why those games are being played. You don't want to figure it out against Duke. You want to have it figured out for Duke. So that makes per- that makes perfect sense. And um, to get to kind of your point of, of that, spe- and maybe you said this on purpose, it seems like that specific lineup is one they probably tried because I know at media day, Coach Holman said, like, we want to try like we're going to have a small ball lineup of like guys that are six five and positionless, and that feels like Bruce, Isaac, and uh, and Bryce pretty much in a nutshell. So, you know, it seems like they're going to have a lot of different lineups, and that's kind of the point of going with a versatile team and a versatile just bringing in athletes as you can place them a lot of different places. We did our year nuts the other the other week, and it was about our favorite bench player. Or like who we're most excited to come off the bench, and it made that meant we had to come up with a starting lineup, and I struggled. I really struggled with a starting lineup because there's so many different, there's so many different variations they can go with, and also it really doesn't matter who you start; it matters who you finish. But still, there's like probably off the top of my head six or seven different variations of a starting lineup they could go with day one. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see 
And I don't think we could take too much away with who they started at the Bahamas because it was different players each game. Correct. Like, I'd have to go back and see the actual box score. But, for example, if, like, Kalen Etzler played, like, 20 – that's what Bryce was – Well, he's, was, he started at one of the games, and I don't think – That's what Bryce started, was getting so. at was, like, he didn't – he did not say Kalen Etzler. Don't get me wrong. But, like, for example, if, like, Kalen Etzler played, like, 24 minutes or something in the Bahamas against one of those teams, he's not starting this year. I would be shocked if he's starting. But, like, that's kind of what they're saying. It's like, Holdman wanted to see, like, how does Kalen Etzler look when he – when you slot him into some of these different combinations – and then Ohio State only beats like the Egyptian team by eight points. Well, in the regular season, Kalen Etzler's probably not playing 24 minutes. He's probably not in the starting lineup. And if you maximize the starting lineup with the most talented players the entire time, maybe they beat the Egyptian team by 30. I don't know. But I think that's what Bryce was getting at, was that the yeah. wins and losses wasn't as important. So it's kind of tough to narrow down, like, how much better were you than those guys? Well, you know, it's funny, too, and I, I agree. I don't think Kalen Etzer would be a starter. It'd be kind of great if he was because it means he made some serious strides over the past year. But I was thinking about it. He might be the only true four on the team, right? Like true like true power forward. Like he's a stretch four, obviously. But he's, is he the only true four on the team? He's not going to be the only guy that plays the four. That's not what I'm saying. But the only, like, four on the team. Because I wouldn't consider Tana Holden just suing. Of course, Sensabaugh to be that. I consider them to be three. Um, I mean, maybe he'd be a really he'd be a really skinny four. I mean, he's six ten though. Yeah, like yeah, like in like six nine, like two ten. <laughs> yeah, stretch four for sure. <laughs> you know, um, you're. I was just thinking about that. That's not that's not really relevant. But I was just I was just thinking about Holman it. did say something about that too. Um, we're just jumping all around here. I was going to save Holman stuff for the end, but like one of Holman's quotes was, um, he said that. He said, we have lots of guys two through four in the middle of the lineup. So he basically said, we have a lot of switchable pieces um, that can play like the two, the three, the four. Yeah, and he most said, of them. I, yeah, he said, I expect us to play probably a lineup of a lot of times of four guards around a big guy. Um, and I can see if I can actually find that. See if I can actually find that. Um, I think I have that timestamp so I could play what he said about the switchable two, three, four guys. Yeah, and while you're finding that, I'll just say like that's – that's exactly how I expect the season to go. And I think that's what I'm excited for because I like those kinds of – it's kind of like North Carolina last year, right? I mean, I guess depending on what you – I guess with Brady Manick, not really, but they had like four – of their six guys, they played four of them were guards, and they just kind of switched in and out, in and out, in and out, and worked well for them. Yeah, so the, the, the question basically was – athleticism and switchable pieces versus having a true center, like a really, really big guy. And this was kind of his answer. What you would say your lineup, those two, three, four positions that are pretty interchangeable and um, their skill sets differ some, but they, um, they all can dribble, pass and shoot. They, uh, to varying degrees and they, they give us a, a, a bit of athleticism there. Um, we have a couple bigger guards, a guy like Roddy and ice are bigger guards. Um, obviously Bruce is, is a man at, at a young age. Um, but I think that versatility is really critical for us and been critical for us, uh, both defensively and offensively. We do not have, you know, the elite scoring right now of a 19 point scorer like EJ was. Um, we're hoping some guys can grow. Um, so we'll have to have that, I think, with a mixture of guys and perhaps more balance across the board. So there you go. The the team yeah. pretty much is made up yeah. of nothing but twos and threes. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And I think I, I do think 
I, I, I think when people hear that quote specifically, they might be kind of worried because people like guys who can go out and just, you know, get you 20 a game. And I agree with them. I don't think that guy is on this roster. Well, this year, I do think Roddy Gill will turn into that guy, but that's a conversation for another time. But, um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how, just how much the score. Like, I could see there was one season, it's escaping me what year it was, but their leading score was like 12 points per game, but they had like six guys in double figures. That's how I could very much see this team being. And I think it's interesting. Oh, Jesus, I said it again. Um, and I think it's fun to look at uh, kind of when you have those interchangeable pieces, just how much you use them. And, you know, it's funny because last year, I think going into the year, one of the biggest things we talked about as a strength for Ohio State was their depth. And then because of some injuries and be- just some guys not being as much of a factor as we thought, depth ended up being their problem. This year, it's kind of the same thing. I, that depth, they, they could play 11 guys if they really want to. I know he pretty much confirmed Bowen Hardman's going to redshirt because he said four of the five freshmen are going to play every game. But, um, you know, you you still play 10 or 11 guys deep. So it's going to be very, very cool to see kind of how they play with those lineups, especially the first three games where you could probably trot out any sort of starting lineup and win those three games. Then going into the San Diego State game, especially with, I mean, they are the number one defense in college basketball for, for the most part, exactly how they play that rotation. Yeah, they're going to have three guys coming off the bench that would be starters at most oh, of the Big Ten yeah, schools. 100%. Like, if, if you potentially, I know you didn't agree with me, but if if you have Tanner Holden and Isaac Likely, um, and Gene Brown, Gene Brown probably, I wouldn't say Gene Brown's an example of that, but uh, if you have, like, Isaac Likely, Tanner Holden, and Roddy Gale as your, like, six, seven, and eight, those are three guys that are starting at a lot of Big Ten schools. Um and those are the guys that when the first the first wave of guys, the starters at like the under 12, need a breath, then you have those three guys that come jogging in and it's like, okay, things did not get any easier. Things are not, things are not getting easier because those three guys just jogged in. Things might even be getting harder. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, and like I said, it's funny because, you know, we both came up with two pretty different starting lineups and I think that's kind of a – uh, a, pl- uh, a pro that they have is they can they there's a lot of different lineups they're going to be able to trot out and I think it's going to be fun to see exactly what they because you can pretty much guarantee the San Diego State game is where they're kind of have something at least preliminarily locked in so that'll be the game that you kind of look at as to what at least they expect their lineup to look like and I mean you lost one in Seth Towns who you kind of thought was going to be a contributor now he's not so makes it a little bit easier in that regard but you know, you figure, like I said, the only people on the roster that won't really factor in this year are the two walk-ons, and then Bowen Hardman will, will be redshirted. And I, other than that, everybody else I could see playing pretty good minutes. Did you have a sense of ball starting? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would be blown away if he doesn't start at this point. I think the only thing we disagreed on was I actually had Suing coming off the bench to start at least, just to see. And I think you had Sean McNeil starting at the two. I had, I had like, likely. Other than that, I think we agreed on everything. Yeah, I, I think that if I think if Justice is feeling good right now, and you give him two full months to keep get to keep working, I, I would be really surprised if he doesn't start. But I well, mean, he was kind of my example of like, I think he'll be finishing games. I just don't know that he'll start him. Is I don't know if the logic's even there, but it was just something that I, I felt like maybe they might try to do. 
but we'll see. I, I definitely would not be surprised if he's starting day one. I'd be very happy, to be honest. Um, Because he is their best well, player. I mean, I could see Stewing averaging 18 a game, honestly. But that's I, I don't know about that. I don't know, but that's, that's best yeah. case. Best best that case be, scenario. That would be best case scenario. Um, he averaged, what do you average at Cal? Fifteen. That's Cal, but still, might have been even more than that. The the depth the depth of the Cal Golden Bears has taken a hit over the past couple of years, but still. Um, was it? Oh yeah. So I, I I talked to Justice for a moment, and I was a little the the crowd around Justice Wick as soon as basically they're like, all right, go ahead and go talk to the players. Like half of the like, there's probably a solid sixty media members there and i would say 20 or 30 immediately went to justice suing and by the end like 40 minutes later it cleared up so i walked over there um and he was talking to spencer holbrook who i believe is with letterman row and he was kind of asking him about rehab and coming back healthy and what it was like waiting for a full year basically and he kind of just said like he had some personal stuff going on too while he was like rehabbing so like last year was pretty tough but that um you know he feels really good now and there's nothing holding him back and so i asked him because he is from honolulu um about the maui invitational about how excited he is to go i wouldn't say go back home because he is not from maui that would be like if Justin, if you had a, a tournament, a basketball tournament in Columbus and they're like, Oh, Justin, you're going back home. And it's like, well, not really, but kind of, um, I believe he's from, I believe is, well, neither of us know this, but I thought he said that he grew up on Oahu, that Island. Um, and the tournament is on Maui, but he said that his family is coming, his friends are coming and like the Chaminade gym where they play. Um, it only holds a couple hundred people, I think. So it's hard to get tickets, but his family's going to be there. He's super excited to have his family there. Like he lit up. He was like, I'm so excited. My family's going to get to come watch me play. And um, it's been difficult. Like my whole career with my family in Hawaii, he said, my family hasn't got to see me play in college, like barely at all because they have to fly from Hawaii. So they're going to get to watch me play. Um, he said that I think Kalen Etzler asked him if he would surf with him. So he's like, I'm going to try to teach Kalen Etzler how to surf. Um, and that's uh, that's totally aside from the fact that they're probably going to play three top 20 teams. Yes, probably. I think that would be best case scenario. The Maui, every time I look at the Maui schedule, I get nervous, but um, yeah, I mean, it's always cool to, you know, go home and kind of play in front of your home crowd. I'm sure that honestly, I like the main reason he came back, I'm sure was because he missed last season and to, you know, try to, you know, use this year to jumpstart a professional career. But I'm sure looking at the schedule and going, oh, cool, we're going to Maui Invite in 2022. I'm sure that didn't hurt his decision. So um, all those things play a factor. I'm sure that – I mean, they're sure as hell going to need him because, Sandy – it's funny because to a, like a – I don't want to say casual basketball fan because I think people try to use casual as like an insult sometimes. But to people that don't pay too much attention to college basketball and just pay attention to the big games, San Diego State's not a game that jumps out at you. But that is a legitimate top fifteen team in the country, so it'll be it'll be it'll be fun to start the game with them, and then I think what's what's do they play the winner of Cincinnati and somebody after that. Um, for Cincinnati some reason, I feel like it's Cincinnati and Creighton. No, it's not Creighton because that one would have stuck. Arkansas? Like, it's Arkansas. No, I don't know. It's somebody. It's Cincinnati or somebody. So it, it's. I think they did get, um, somewhat of a, if there is a good draw in, in that. In that bracket, I think they got a, a fairly decent one because I don't think, yeah, they wouldn't. It's uh, Cincinnati and Arizona. 
they wouldn't see oh. Creighton or Arkansas until the final game. So that's at least a benefit. But, I mean, look, Arizona's a hell of a team, too. Cincinnati's a good team. Like, you're not running. For, there's nowhere to hide in this Maui Invitational bracket outside of unless they play. No, there's literally nowhere to hide. So um, they got to bring their A game, and they only have, like I said, they got to be 3-0 going into it. This isn't one of those. They have a brutal enough schedule to where they have to win the games they should win. So if they're 3-0 going into it, um, maybe they pop into the rankings for that. doesn't really matter, but. Um, they, I mean, they, this is going to be a really, really tough tournament, but it's fun. And then they get off the Maui invite, and they pretty much immediately turn around and play Duke. So, well, I did ask him. I said, you know, do you think, um, you know, you basically have two months from now till the Maui invite. Do you think that, uh, you know, do you think that this team is going to be w- well prepared to step into what could end up being, you know, a, a buzzsaw of a tournament? I mean, you're going to start with playing, like you said, San Diego State's the probably the best defensive team in the country, one of the best. And if you win that, you're probably rewarded with Arizona, who was looking like a national champion contender last season. And if you win that, you could end up potentially with Creighton, who is a top 10 team, or potentially Arkansas, who I think was in the Elite Eight last season. Like, Do you think that this team's going to be prepared to run that gauntlet in a couple months? And he pretty much said that, you know, we're going to be grinding the next two months. He said, um, he said, I hope <laughs> he said, I yeah, go, go to black. I hope so. Um, he, he said, uh, what he said was coach Holtman. What coach Holtman always tells them is don't flinch. Oh, so that's, that's, that's one of my favorite sayings. <laughs> he said, he said, that's coach sick. Holtman always tells us to not flinch. So, um, if we get knocked down, you know, because he, I think he didn't want to go out and say, like, yeah, we're going to win those games like because he knows it's going to be tough and there are a lot of new pieces on this team and there potentially could be growing pains. But he said Coach Holtman tells us to not flinch. So, you know, we're going to grind the next two months and prepare as best we can for that and show up and, and play the hardest and try to set the rules and be the tougher team. But, you know, we don't flinch. So if we if we lose a game, we're going to pop right back up and we're going to play just as hard in the next game, whoever we get next. So, um I they're not going to win the Maui Invitational. I doubt it. Hey, but, um, they do. I doubt it. I think that there are several teams that are probably better than Ohio State in that Invitational. But um, even if they can just pick up one or two ranked wins, that would be huge for them. But um, yeah, I just thought I, I just thought it was cool to get to talk to Justice about playing back closer, closest to home. Um, he seems like a really nice guy. Stephen Means from. Uh, Cleveland.com was like egging him on trying to ask about the CJ Stroud. Like we could, we could beat the basketball team in football. He was like egging him on. Like, could we ever get like a, 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 a like a, a pickup game between you guys? And justice said that um, he and CJ Stroud uh, have talked about after the season, maybe organizing some kind of uh, like running full court at the shot between f- football and basketball potentially to actually maybe get, the scrimmage that everybody wants to see. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go the charity route or the NIL route with that, there's two ways. They're they're both super easy to do. You know what I mean? Um, you could either you putting that together feels like it'd be super easy. I'm sure they're all friends. So um, it's just if you're the basketball team, you're kind of in like a lose lose because it's like either you win and oh great you beat the football team at basketball, or you lose and it's like oh my god you just lost to the football team at basketball. Even though there probably are five guys on the on the Ohio State football team that were like 
you know, like Sonny Styles was a state champion. You know, CJ Stroud was was a two sport. Like these guys are they're not just they didn't just play basketball. They're good at basketball. But um, yeah, you kind of figure it's probably a lose lose for the basketball team in that regard. There was somebody walking around literally just asking like every single player like, "What's the final score if you guys played?" Like literally just like trying probably turning that into an article by itself. I think Bruce Thornton said, "We win by 20. Ooh, I like, like that. I mean, you he should. Said, <laughs> he said <laughs> like. I, and Justice said something similar. He said, like, the football players are, like, crazy, crazy athletes, and most of them play basketball in high school, so, like, they don't suck. But Bruce Thornton was like, we would win by 15 or 20 points, I think. And then Justice said, like, he knows a couple of the football players. He said of all the football players that are good basketball players, he, he said the best one is Dewan Jones, which is hilarious. Yeah, Dewan Jones uh, store was going – was – Going to go to Kent State for basketball, but uh, he decided to play football, so he went to Ohio State. But he's a very, very, very good basketball player. That's that's said, pretty well known. Yeah, he said Dewan Jones is like the most athletic and probably the best basketball player on the football team, um, which is really, really funny. I'm trying to think if I got anything else from the players that was noteworthy. Um, asked Roddy and I asked Bruce about the different road venues they're going to play in this season. I was like, you get to go to Duke. Um, I think the CBS Sports Classic is at MSG. Um, you got the Maui Invitational, and basically Roddy said he wants to play. He's excited to play at Cameron Indoor. That's the place he wants to play at. And then Bruce said, um, Bruce had a really good. I wish I could have got audio. It's just it was tough with the guys talking over each other at the same table. Bruce had a pretty good answer that he wanted. He was excited to go to MSG just because he's a big NBA guy and he's been watching his whole life. So. He said that it'll be like a little bit overwhelming, but that he's super excited for MSG. Um, but they picked a, they picked a good year. They got some really cool road venues that they're going to be playing at this season. Yeah, it's a good year if you like going to road venues. It's a bad year if you like playing really good teams because that's that's why they're going to those venues. Um, so, but no, it'll be it'll be really it'll be cool to see them at Cameron Indoor. I don't know the last time they played there. I don't ever remember watching it. I remember watching them play at Chapel Hill. When I think Diebler was a freshman, so that would have been like 2007, 2008. But uh, I don't remember them ever going to Cameron Indoor, so that'd be cool. Or MSG. I'm Maui. looking to see if I got anything else from the players here. Um, it's pretty much like I said. I mostly talked to those four guys, um, and then Holtman, Chris Holtman spoke for about half an hour, which is a lot of speaking time for him. He's usually like 10 minutes in and out. Um, talked about Justice suing. Um, he said Justice looks great. He's healthy. He's anxious to get out there. Um, he's a really important member of our team that was a two seed two years ago. He had a really good season. He scored ten and a half points per game, and we're going to be looking to him, you know, to have that contribution again this season, or to it was like to contribute in that way this season again. He said four freshmen are going to play every game. He said you're going to see Bruce, Bryce, Felix, and Roddy. He said you're going to see those four guys every game. And he said, I've never coached a team that's, that will rely on four freshmen the way that this team will, which I thought was really a big statement. Yeah, I mean, I'd, it makes sense. I mean, dude, we can just look at where he's been. You know, Gardner-Webb and Butler, those aren't places where you bring in – Butler probably, but, you know, you're bringing in, like, just fresh – like, your, your normal recruiting class every year. And then Ohio State, this is the, by far the best recruiting class he's ever had. So, you know, it's, it's good because you want to get these guys on the court because – 
I know it's not a coach's job to think about this, but at the end of the day, the transfer portal is a real thing. And if these guys don't get good minutes, they're probably gone. So <laughs> um, it's kind of nice to get them on the court early because you don't want to lose them. And we were talking like last season about when these guys were committing. We've, we have said from the beginning that Ohio State might not be great next season, or I guess it would be this season at this point, but they're going to be so fun to watch. They're going to be, be so fun. Definitely. Well, I, said, I, I specifically said great intentionally because I think that they'll be a good basketball team, but like they could end up being like a 12 and 8 or 11 and 9 Big Ten play. Like, wouldn't, would, I wouldn't bat an eye if that's how they ended. Um, but they're going to be so much fun with those young guys. And now we know, like, yeah, they're, they're all going to play every game, they're going to be a crucial part. Tough crowd for the Felix Akpar isn't big enough to play crowd. Tough day for them. He's too yeah, too skinny, too skinny. Why can't Holtman get a big man that's actually a big man and not a skinny guy? He weighs like two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, really effective. Yeah, that's not skinny. I mean it's skinny, but it's not. Yeah, he's two hundred and twenty pounds. Chet Holmgren's like one ninety and he was just fine in college. Don't tell me about the NBA, but he was just fine in college, so and then um there was a good one. It's funny when when reporters ask about recruiting because they the coaches the coaches can't directly answer a question about any recruits but somebody asked what has been the uptick in recruiting lately they said you're starting to stack classes you're putting back-to-back really good classes together have you just gotten better at recruiting did you somebody said is it like the proof is in the pudding look at we're winning games we're putting guys in the nba um and they said is it nil are guys coming here because of nil and i thought that was a really good answer that i, I can pull up really quick too um like our guys going to Ohio State just because they're going to get money. And let me pull that up. You guys got better at it. Is it proof in the pudding? Is it a couple guys in the NBA? Is it NIL? Uh, but you're stacking it now. I would say uh, it's a combination of, of all of those, maybe with the exception of, of NIL. I think we'll see that in the beginning part, but that's not been promised to, to any recruit. I think the um, the uptick tick in recruiting has been really a collaborative work. I think we have a tremendous staff, um, and I would begin with that. I think we have a staff that has really worked at it. Um, listen, Clay, I'd be be lying if I if I said that the NBA's um, success of, of two guys being drafted, uh, Dwayne also being in the NBA right now, didn't play a role. It's played a major role. It's certainly a question. Uh, you're always going to get that question from recruits. Who have you as a head coach and as a staff produced in terms of uh, draft picks or first-round draft picks? So the success of Malachi and EJ being a three-year guy, Malachi being a one-and-done, no question plays a role. Uh, but I also don't want to minimize the tremendous effort of our, of our staff. So kind of like Joe Gemma told us a while back, having – multiple guys in the NBA, it sounds like, as Will Holtman saying, is one of the biggest drivers of, it makes sense, one of the biggest drivers of getting guys to join your program because it's, show me the roadmap of how you're going to get me to the league. And if you haven't gotten anybody to the league, you don't have a roadmap or your roadmap doesn't work. And (laughs) they've sent multiple guys to the league lately. Yeah. Because contrary to popular belief on Twitter, guys do not go to college to make it to the Sweet 16. They go to get to the NBA. 
So if you can prove that you got guys going to the – especially because each – like, look, don't get me wrong. EJ was two-time, all Illinois. Malachi was Mr. Ohio. Like, these guys are incredibly talented recruits. But they're not – they weren't top ten guys. You know, they weren't, like, jump to high school right away guys or jump to the NBA from high school guys. Um, Malachi might have been now that we look back on it. But, you know, like, he he found something in the middle of the season. I mean, they beat – their best one of their best games of the season they beat wisconsin he had no points and four turnovers you know like he found something in the middle of that season so when these when these guys that are like in the 30s and 40s and 50s in the recruiting rankings which again do not get me wrong is still very 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 good but when those guys are one and dones or you see a guy like ej who progressed so much in college to get to where he is in the nba now um that's intriguing to guys there's no doubt about it, especially when it's not a coincidence. You look at this recruiting class outside of Bowen Hardman, they're all in the 40 to 55 to 60 range, right? It's not really a coincidence. And I don't know how much money, honestly, Ohio State has to throw around as for NIL. Um, I'm sure that – I shouldn't say Ohio State has to throw around because technically it is not Ohio State. It is one of the collectives, one of the nonprofits – local businesses, depending on how big of a star you are of who wants to pay you money for anything. But um, if a guy wants, if a, if a dude just wants the highest check he can cash, he's probably not going to go play basketball at Ohio State, actually. So Holtman kind of jumped on that immediately and said, NIL is not promised. No money associated with NIL is promised or spoken about during recruiting. And, and Ohio State basketball isn't as big a brand as a lot of other basketball programs. So I honestly think that this recruiting, the boost, probably has very little to do with NIL in comparison to other programs. Yeah, then that's kind of the funny part because you have a lot of people that expect like they have the same expectations for the basketball program as the football program. When we've kind of pointed out oftentimes that the football program being as good as it, as good as it is, is a direct effect negatively to the basketball program because these guys want to be at schools that are basketball schools. You know, they want to go to the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the Kansases of the world, although four and oh, Kansas might be turned to a football school. Stay tuned folks. Um, but they want to go to those schools, you know, even like, I guess Arkansas is probably like both and both right now, but you know, Ohio state is very, very much a football school, no matter what the basketball team, they could win a championship in Ohio state's football school. So uh, that, that, that doesn't help recruiting. You know, it, it helps it in the sense of they get to bring these recruits to football games, and that looks cool. But at the end of the day, these guys want to go to basketball schools because they want to be the guys. They've been the guys in high school. They don't want to lose that. So, you know, Ohio State and Ohio State's big enough to where they can still be the guys, but it definitely doesn't help, you know, when you have a guy like CJ Stroud walking around campus. And don't get me wrong, like the basketball players, like they're probably not going to ever disclose or find out how much money they make off NIL they're making bank. I'm going to guess that the dudes that are on the basketball team at minimum, several of them are probably making in the tens of thousands of dollars per year, which is like what I make per year, (laughs) but they are not making like how CJ Stroud has like a deal with express where he can just throw around like, yeah, I'm going to buy all 100 guys on this team, a five, I'm going to get them all a $500 gift card so that you can all go to express uh, like he, yeah. they're not, he's, they're not just throwing around 50 K like, like CJ Stroud is none of the basketball players are going to get deals like that. That, that that's qu- not that the Quint Ewers, that Quint Ewers money as some call it. 
Right. And like basketball, if you want big, big, big money, there are schools that have um, more NIL opportunities to make more money for basketball players than Ohio State does. So I don't think that, you know, that's a leading cause for a recruiting boom. Um, another really good quote, excuse me, that I thought, and I think that you you would like this one. Somebody asked about Sean McNeil, and they said, oh, obviously, I, saw this. I love it. I love it. Um, I, 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 I'm not going to pull the audio because I've already played, played a few clips, but I did tweet out a part of the quote. The question was, Sean McNeil is like a 40% three-point shooter, but we've heard a lot like there's more to his game than being a 30% three-point shooter. Like, he's not just a three-point shooter. There's more to his game. And how important is it for Sean to continue to improve on those other parts of his game beyond just shooting? And Holtman said, I think people look at Sean and want to compare him to other players that have been in this program. That's not Hmm. Sean. That's not Sean. (laughs) Sean is different. He's got a game that's a little bigger than people think. And then he kind of went on to say that it's going to be important for him to kind of work on his defense, his on-ball defense, but that teams will have to aggressively defend him all over the court, not just at the three-point line, but also at like mid-range. So for example, <laughs> with a certain former player that he's insinuating here that people are saying that Sean McNeil is similar to, you did not have to be concerned about Justin Arns shot faking at three and then dribbling in and shooting an elbow jumper. Oh, you think it he was, was comparing him to Justin Arns? I didn't get that. He was like, oh, shit, I was thinking Nevin Turner, shit. Oh, um, man, I thought you meant William Buford, sorry. Like, like Justin Arns was not going to shot fake and then dribble in and hit, like, an elbow jumper or a fader, like, um, or, like, a running. It's not going to happen. He's going to shoot the three or he's going to pass the ball. And that's what Chris Holtman is saying is you have, to, you have to prepare for a whole lot of different outcomes with Sean McNeil, including the fact that he can knock down six threes in a game on you and absolutely sink you all by himself. But I just – I like that quote because he said that's not him. Like he's different, which kind of yeah. like reminded me of like he's built different with like the steam coming out of the nose. He didn't say he's built different, but that's the way it came off. Like he said, Sean's different. But the funny part is he he literally is built different because he's he's uh, he's very uh, physical. You know, like he's 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 stronger than Justin Arns was, and he plays very physical offense and defense. He likes to get to the rim and make plays happen and, and like finish through contact. He likes to get up in you when he's defending you. You know, I probably could have worded that better, but you know what I'm saying? That is like, that's what he does on defense. He, he's a much more, he's a much more complete player. And I think anybody that watched West Virginia knows that. And that, this is just back to my whole point of like, if you didn't watch West Virginia, that's fine, but don't say you did. Because had, if you think we had Joe Gemma on, I don't know, in June, in, in May. And we asked him, do you remember this? We asked him what maybe. player in practice is a bucket. Which player in practice is giving everybody else problems at practice? Maybe not necessarily like a crazy great in-game player that's going to drop 20 points, but there's always a guy at practice that's just a problem. Like, who is a problem at practice? And Joe Gemma literally told us, he said, Sean McNeil is a bucket. And people are going to see that. He was like, Sean McNeil is giving everybody at practice problems all over the floor. Yeah, and that's that wouldn't be the case if he was a one-dimensional player. That's not what happens. As you saw with Justin Arns, who, look, I love the dude. I wish him all the best at Loyola Marymount. I think that's a good fit. You know, who gets to play Gonzaga, that'll be cool. Uh, but he's <laughs> one-dimensional. He can shoot. 
Like that's what he does. So when he was struggling shooting, it got tough. <laughs> you know, like as someone who played basketball and could only shoot, I know how tough it is when you can't shoot. So it's it's tricky. Like so, Sean McNeil, he has much more to his game. And like I said, he's a good defender. And I said this uh, a week ago. I was on our our podcast called Dotting the Line to talk about Taysen Chapman, but I talked about the team in general. And I said, when you look at what they're doing, they're very clearly putting an emphasis on defense with the, with, with the transfers that are coming in, with the recruits they're getting. These guys are all two-way players. And Sean McNeil is a good example of that because, let's face it, you saw a white guy that can shoot, you think he's Justin Arns. He's much more evolved than that. There's not a really there's not a comparison I can think of in recent years to him, you know, in terms of in in that regard. I'll think about it, but I don't got anybody right now. That's a great, that's a great segue because I have another quote that I forgot to share. Where somebody asked a question, I think it might have been our good friend Adam Jardy, friend of the pod, Adam Jardy, who asked about that's are right, you? Are uh, many people are saying he's a huge friend of the pod. Um, are you recruiting? <laughs> are you recruiting both high schoolers and like the transfers? now to kind of focus more in on athleticism and defense because it's been tough the last couple of years. And what he said, I did, I did get this whole quote. He said, we have not been good enough defensively the last two years. We just haven't. We've not been good enough. I think we've been tremendous offensively. We've been really, really efficient. Really, sorry, really, really efficient. Numbers will back that up. Two top 15 teams offensively, but we have not been good enough defensively and we were not good enough on the glass either last year. So you combine those two things, and there's inevitably a ceiling. So I think more athleticism and more versatility, a little more length at the rim, were all things we had to address. Because certainly you can't have a poor offense. You've got a very clear ceiling if you have a poor offense. That's just the reality, just like in college football. In college basketball, you have to be able to score. But we need to have more balance than what our numbers have been the last two years. And for three of our five years, We've been very good defensively. We just haven't been the last two years. So, yeah, and he's hundred percent right. There you go. Last year, last year that was their problem. You had talented guys, but they either could only do one thing on offense, or they weren't playing both ends of the floor. Like Justin Orange was kind of—he's a shooter, but he was struggling shooting. Cedric Russell was great on offense, but then you turn around, he was missing two assignments on defense every play. Like these guys were good, but they weren't everything that you need to put together. And arguably, is you know. This team has a lot of talent. It's not the most talented team. I think I've, I, th- I still think the most talented team they've had was, unfortunately, the Oral Roberts season. I think that team was the most talented, talented. But this team, I think, is by far the most, the deepest and most versatile I've ever seen at, at, at Ohio State under Holtman. I agree. And I agree that they have to be better defensively. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, the, stat, the, stats, the, stats, the stats are show themselves to make a run in the tournament, which is what anybody – which is what everybody wants them to do. You have to have a good defense. Like that's just that's just what it is. Even North Carolina, as legendary as their offense was, sometimes last year they had a good defense. Like everybody has a good defense that makes right. a run. teams that's that just end what out, it is. like teams that end outside like the top twenty five in Ken Palm's like defense efficiency. They don't they don't make the final four. No, they don't. Like there there are no outliers to that. Like if you don't have a top twenty five defense, you do not make the final four. That is that is the end of it. The stats and what's are funny there. is Hol- Holtman is a. I, Coleman's very clearly a, a Ken Palm disciple because that's the one stat that he always cites is efficiency, offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. We are, you know, we are a top 15. He said top 15 team offensively, very efficient. The numbers will back that up, but then he'll turn around and say, 
We've just not been good on defense. The numbers will also back that up. And the numbers he always references is Ken Palm. So we should get Ken Palm on the show, honestly. Ken, if you're listening. Ken Pomroy, come on the podcast, coward. What else we got here? He did make a comment about Tanner Holden where he said these next two years. So I wonder if that's a conversation they've had. He said that Tanner Holden, um, he said... That was another really good quote. He said, Tanner Holden has been one of the hardest workers since the start of the summer. And he said, guys don't respect guys who don't work. Teammates Max don't respect. He said, teammates don't respect teammates who don't work. And Tanner has been one of our hardest workers. He went on to say that basically Tanner Holden, most of his offensive game is below the basket, not because he's like a, a, a back to the basket player, but he's a very, very good cutter. He ends up scoring below the basket because he's able to move without the ball and score. But he said over these next two years, he's going to need to expand his range to continue to be more productive in our conference. And he said these next two years, and I was like, huh, I wonder if they've like had conversations where Holtman's just like assuming that Tanner Holden's going to play a fifth year as well. Yeah, I mean, I would. I wrote, I'm doing right now our player previews through um, like, like about players. And basically, Tanner Holden's like, if you like free throws, you'll like Your Tanner Your player Holden. previews are about players? Yeah, I, I really, I was on my phone when I said that, and I kind of just lost my train okay, of thought. My train of thought hit a big derailment. Um, but uh, Tanner, if you like free throws, you'll like Tanner Holden. He gets to the line more than pretty much anybody in college basketball, outside of maybe only just suing. So it'll be very interesting. This team needs to be good at free throws because they're going to be at the line a lot, um, which is good. You know, you want to get to the free throw line because they call it the charity stripe for a reason. And uh, that's actually something they've kind of struggled with throughout the year. So it'll be nice to have a good free throw shooting team. And uh, they're going to need them because they're going to do a lot of it. I think I think the last thing that Holtman said that we should talk about, because he's already had a few a few comments that I've read off that you've been like, ooh, bars or like, oh, God, that's really good. This this might be the best one. This might be the best one. Um Steve Hellwagon with with Bucknuts brought up that there was a preseason poll that had the Buckeyes finishing third. And basically his question was, you know, he said, I know that it's early. I know that, you know, it's September and the preseason rankings don't really matter. and Blah, 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 blah. But with all of these new faces on your team, to have one of the so-called, you know, national experts say, this is a team that's going to compete to win the Big Ten. What does that tell you about this group of guys? And and this is what Holman said. It's talking season, right? We're about to work. That's talk. You know, you could probably look and see a bunch of other ones. I do think people um, have have liked the addition of our transfers, Steve, right? And uh, and I think they're anxious to see what these four freshmen can can be. And um, but it's it's time to get to work. He said it's talking season. We're about that work. Yeah, I have three things to say about that. First of all, I love when coaches call reporters by their first name. It feels like kind of a family kind of thing. Second of all, um, that's just a bar. Like there's no other way to word that. Um, that's just – that's like – you could tell – the way he said that, he was waiting for that question. He knew what he was going to say. He, he At some point today, no matter what the question was, he was going to say it's talking season. 
because uh, he said it way too quick. Third, <laughs> as people who talk a lot, that's cool because it is talking season. And was, right now, right now, it's like, people, right now it's like peak talking season. Many, so he's, not, he's not wrong. Many, many people are saying this is prime talking season right now. That's usually when my allergies get the worst is during talking season. Um, exactly. exactly. What was funny was also after that question, um, Steve, you, typically, okay, so I know you have been in press conferences. I don't know if the etiquette is the same at all press conferences or if we just kind of have this is how it is at the OSU one. Typically, at basketball press conferences, you ask a question, and then Holtman or whoever it is answers, and then you're allowed a follow-up question. And then after you ask your follow-up question, it's the next person. Well, that was Steve's follow-up question. And then then, um, he said, can I ask one more real quick? And then Holtman looks to Gary, who is the basketball SID, and Holtman goes, I'm okay with it. You'll have to ask Gary. He's in charge here. And then that every person in the room looks at Gary and then Gary's like, yeah. <laughs> Good like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm bailiff in a courtroom. He's like, it's fine by me, but I'm not the boss here. It's Gary. Gary's the boss. So that was pretty funny. Uh, Gary, Gary got that printed out somewhere. <laughs> he's Gary's the boss. Holman just, just had some, he, he definitely had some, some responses prepared for some questions. He knew he was going to, going to get, like you said about that preseason poll, probably about, about Sean, um, I don't know. He came off as a lot more like no nonsense this time. Um, I don't know if that's because he's you know just kind of tired of hearing the noise and the nonsense and the doubters and this and that. And he's like, it's September, and I'm already locked in. Like it's no nonsense right now. Like we're, we're working right now. I don't want to talk about standings. Um, I don't know. He just seemed a little bit more like no nonsense this time. Like kind of uber focused on the task at hand. It also could be just because I haven't sat in a press conference for like six months, so my imagination ran wild. I don't know. Um, the whole audio will be online tomorrow morning, though, if you want to listen um, and judge yourself. Yeah, I mean, according to Twitter, if they don't win national championship this year, he loses job. So I hope he's focused. Dang. I, I mean, he's a good guy. He's got a real nice house, and if, if it goes up for sale, um, I will not be bidding on it. Um, also, so let- the one, the last thing I'll say to the media day point. When you're a coach that's been doing it that long, like as he as long as he's been doing it, you tend to know the questions you're gonna get. And uh he definitely he definitely had some bangers in there and he definitely had some I would say pre some quotes some quotes that he knew he was gonna say. <laughs> Somebody else asked him about Jake Diebler too, which is pretty funny, which Jake Diebler was assistant coach, associate head coach Jake Diebler, was still in the gym, kind of standing at the back of the crowd listening, and somebody asked him about because Jake Diebler has been the lead recruiter on every single 2023 and 2022 recruit <laughs> and um they asked him about jake diebler and he's like you're gonna make me talk about jake with, with jake standing right back there right now you're gonna make me talk about him while he's standing there are you kidding me potential future friend of the podcast jake diebler stay tuned but um yeah jake diebler was, saw what brian hartline's doing and said watch this it was just really funny that he's like you're really gonna make me talk about you're gonna make me flatter jake diebler right in front of jake diebler you're really gonna do this to me <laughs> So that's all I got about Media Day. We got almost an hour of info out of Media Day. And like I said, um, the full audio with with Coach Holtman should be online in the morning. So if folks want to listen to that, um, and I'm saying this as our podcast will come out on Thursday. So by this morning, I mean Tuesday morning. (laughs) So two days ago, 
But by, by you, this, yeah, by the time you're hearing this, it's been online for 48 the hours. Will have been online for like two days. So if you want to listen yeah. to it, definitely go listen to it if you haven't already. Um, the only other thing that we haven't talked about is that Taysen Chapman committed to Ohio State last week. Bars. Yeah, it's good. He's a good player. <laughs> uh, no, okay, no, he's, that'll do it. Yeah, all right. That'll, that'll wrap us up. Uh, no, he is a really good player. And um, it was interesting because as I've learned more about him, Taysen, it felt like. It felt like what you haven't they, learned is how to use different adjectives. Well, different adjectives are for people to try to sound smart. I don't try to sound smart. I know I'm an idiot. Okay, it's all about self awareness here. That's Carry why on. people love us because we know we're idiots. I won't speak for you, um, but you know he actually did mute himself. So a man of his word, Connor Lamont. Um, Taysen would have been ranked even higher than he is currently if it wasn't for he got injured last year. And he missed most of their season when the recruitings were officially like debuted for the 2023 class. He was, I think, 18th. So a top 25 guy. So he's definitely all the talent in the world is there. It's a nice little combo guard. So it won't really play a factor. Assuming Bruce Thornton comes back, uh, those two can definitely play together. So the guard situation is, I, I think that there's no situation at all. The guard, the guard, makeup is fantastic especially for next season uh you know tanner holden's more of like a hybrid forward kind of guy but you know you'll have roddy gale you'll have uh you'll have you know tason chapman who's really the only guard in the 2023 class so that's interesting uh yeah i said interesting on purpose that time and um yeah i mean you have roddy gale you have bruce Thor, and you have bryce Senzabal, who's like a guard forward you know, you have these guys that will, they'll have a year under their belt. Taysen Chapman will be coming in. So, you know, with the 2023 guys, you just got to watch them as they play their final season, and then they come into Columbus, and hopefully they'll play a he's, – he's one that absolutely he'll be playing day one. Um, I think that's safe to say. He's, his talent is through the roof, and, you know, it's, it's nice that in the 2023 class they have taken technically two guys away from Kansas. I mean, that's always something to – kind of look at and you know it is it is you do want to you do want to look at who they're choosing between because you know yeah, watch obviously your, plays I'm a back. role I'm, I'm unmuted yeah watch your watch your fucking neck bill self because chris holtman's coming for you oh god i thought you're talking to me i was like what did i say no, um you. <laughs> I, I do have to watch my back but nevertheless um yeah like we're taking guys out of kansas left and right so it's nice uh scotty middleton was the other one if, if you do not know that also, his list involved, included Xavier, who has four four stars. Like Xavier has a fantastic class coming in, including Dalen Swain. So, like these, this, and then Minnesota might have just been on there because he's from Minnesota. He never actually visited yeah. them. So, you know, and then Virginia, who we know they can recruit a high level. So, this is definitely a kid that a lot of really high 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 brow programs wanted. Um, and you know, anytime you get a guy like that to Ohio State, you get excited. Yeah, Jamie Shaw from On3 has kind of become like the equivalent of like the person that tweets out the um, spoiler to the movie like the day after the movie comes out because like you're looking at Jason Chapman's list and you're like, okay, okay, okay. Then Jamie Shaw drops an article. It's like 95% confidence Jason Chapman to Ohio State. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, I don't know how he knows all that stuff because he's he's perfect on that. When he when he's like – I think he said when he's like 75% or higher – his confidence rate, he's perfect on. So shout out to Jamie Shaw, I man, doing the job. Xavier already had Xavier already had four recruits, like you said, and two of them are similar position to Chasing Chapman. 
So it kind of seemed like Xavier was probably out after taking um, Dalen Swain and um, what's the other guy's name? Reed something. Um, Reed Dushamore. Dushamore. Yeah, I see. I'm going to let, let you butcher that one, not it's me. D-U-C-H-E-R-M-E. However you want to say that, feel free. But basically, Xavier had already taken two similar players. So it kind of seemed like Xavier probably was not going to be the spot. And Minnesota stinks. Um, stinks. So it seemed like Minnesota. Yeah, they're stinky. Minnesota was probably not going to happen. So it really did seem like it was Ohio State, Kansas, or Virginia. Um, but then Jamie Shaw is like 95% going to Ohio State. It's just like the person that like when the Spider-Man movie came out and like the very next day they're like, oh, I'm so glad Andrew Garfield was in the movie. I'm like, God, you bitch. Not all of us can see it on Thursday night. Trent. Trent feels like a <laughs> spoiler name. But um, yes. And the only way I thought he might go to Minnesota, one, because, you know, we kind of just shit on him, but Ben Johnson is a great coach, and I think he's going to build something. I don't, I don't want to say special at Minnesota because it's literally just not even really possible, but I think they could be respectable. I think there was even times this year I looked at them and, you know, Peyton Willis was doing some things. They had some things going. So I do like that. Also, when you're the hometown kid, you know, you can go and kind of like be the savior of the program. That's kind of a cool thing. So I thought maybe he might try to go do that, but now nah, he can come to Columbus, baby. He could be our savior. Look at that. And we're going to end at right about one hour. So I think that's a good spot to end here. Um, do you have anything else? Do you have any, any closeouts or, or shout outs or anything else you got to throw in there before we, before we peace out of here? Uh, no, I'm watching the TV show you right now and I'm halfway through the first season and I have a bad feeling uh, for the fates of the women in the program. This guy is terrifyingly scary. Uh, I don't know what happens, but I, I don't think, I don't. Th- I think. I think we're headed for a tragic ending, but we'll see. Didn't that show? Didn't that show come out like a couple years ago? Oh yeah, a long time ago. I thought it was scary, <laughs> so I didn't. I don't watch scary stuff. I'm not a scary guy, so I thought it was like scary. I didn't know it was just like kind of like it's not even thrilling. It's just like kind of creepy. So that's fine. So I started watching it. My shout out's gonna be shout out Albert Pujols. Home run number seven. Shout out to Albert Pujols, man. Seems like a good dude. Seems like a solid guy, and you uh-huh. know you got. Home run 700. I've been a Cardinals fan since I was like eight years old. And I can tell you that I have not had more fun watching the Cardinals than I have this year. Um, I was leaving the Keith Urban concert in Columbus the other night, listening to it on the radio and he hit 700 and I heard the radio call and I screamed and I had all my windows open and somebody probably thought I was being attacked. Um, But just so, so, so awesome for him to like turn back the clock for one season it's just been so much fun. So shout out to Albert, first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. Um, and that's it. If you found our stuff on the website today, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your music and podcasts, Apple Music, um, whatever. That way when we put out new episodes you'll be notified we are under the land grant holy land feed yeah i can't wait to see who the one baseball writer is that leaves Albert pools off his list the first ballot because it's just a fucking joke but um what'd you say yeah uh and then Bucketheads, we're at twitter at twitter we're at twitter we're on twitter at Bucketheads lghl uh you can follow us there we're gonna start going i don't even know if you said this we're gonna start going weekly soon so we'll start ramping up the twitter stuff maybe try to do a couple spaces here or there 
you know we just want people to hop in i just i don't know about spaces right after games because people tend like i used to pop into the michigan state ones and it's just like people like hammered just venting about the program um so we i mean we could do that but it'll be a safe space it'll be a safe space a safe space for sure um but yeah, you know, basketball. Se- I mean, media day was t- was today. Where it's Monday uh, as we're recording this. So like, basketball season is right around the corner. Football team looking as as solid as ever. You know, it's a good day to be an Ohio State fan. If you if, if people want us to have do Twitter Spaces and stuff like that, um, I'll close it in a second. Do follow us on Twitter. Like, help us be hang out in the Holy Land. Just as a little uh, explanation. Hang out in the Holy Land is the flagship podcast of Land Grant Holy Land. It has been the podcast that they've had for God knows how many years. Um, and we are chasing them down on Twitter with as far as followers. Um, and we've only had the account for like a year. So if folks want us to do like Twitter spaces, literally the main thing that will make us do that is if we see that we have enough followers that it's worth it. Do, do you agree, Justin? I do agree. And I also, I do think I've stopped pissing people off on Twitter. So that's a good thing. That's just because the off season. I, yeah, I was about to just say, I can't say it promises when the season starts again because I get I get emotional. But um, the problem is we're too we're too reasonable and people get mad. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, we're not like yeah. I got yelled at because I wasn't calling for Chris Holman to be fired. Sorry, I'm not an idiot. Oh, sorry, I did it again. We just got we just got to send back the Hannibal Burris meme. The why why are <laughs> yeah. you yelling? I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> um, but anyway, anyway, we're. I think we're like a hundred followers short of thing on the Holy Land or something like that. Like we're we're pretty darn close for only having the account up for you. So if you want us to do spaces and stuff after the game where we can jump in with people and just kind of bullshit about the game and what's going on, um, if you're not already following on Twitter, follow uh, Bucketheads LGHL on Twitter. Uh, Justin, where can they follow you on Twitter if if they want to get themselves into that? Yeah, I'm at, at Justin underscore Golba. Even my friends have me muted, so maybe just don't follow me. Apparently, I'm like a horrible Twitter follower, so follow. So Yeah, I haven't seen any of Justin's tweets in like eight months. I don't know. I definitely didn't mute him or anything. You can follow me at Lamans, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor, if you want to follow me on Twitter. Um, that's all we got. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.